The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Burger Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, February 10th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Disney shares surge as earnings blow past estimates. Credit Suisse slumps after posting its biggest quarterly loss in four years. Wall Street braces for the latest reading on hot inflation. And economist Susan Collins becomes the first black woman to head a Federal Reserve Bank. The DOJ investigates Donald Trump's handling of White House records, plus the easing of mask requirements in the tri-state area. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshaler. Upset wins for Seton Hall and Rutgers. The Islanders won, and Nathan Chen and Chloe Kim won Olympic gold medals. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and S&P futures are lower this morning. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down about 11 points. Dow futures are little changed, and NASDAQ futures down 54. The DAX in Germany is up a tenth of a percent. Ten-year Treasury, little change. The yield, 1.93 percent, and the yield on the two-year, 1.35 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up a quarter percent, or 24 cents, at $89.90 a barrel, and the euro, 1.1444 against the dollar. Nathan. Well, Karen, we begin this morning with earnings and a huge surge in Disney shares. Right now, they're up more than 7.5 percent in early trading. The world's largest entertainment company reported first quarter sales earnings and streaming subscriber growth that all beat estimates. We spoke with Disney CEO Bob Chapek after the results. We're full of optimism. We think that we've got a lot of energy and momentum. We've got a vision for the future, a vision where we're going to appeal directly to our audience uh, using technology and great storytelling. And uh, we really think that it's going to be a more exciting next 100 years than Disney. even our stellar first 100 years. Disney CEO Bob Chapek spoke with Bloomberg's Emily Chang. Stay tuned for more of that interview coming up shortly right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Well, Nathan, we have some other stocks on the move this morning following earnings after the bell. Let me get the details live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John, good morning. And good morning, Karen. Uber shares up close to 5% of the pre-market trading after fourth quarter revenue that beat estimates. The ride-hailing giant saw little disruption from the Omicron variant, and that led to the most active users in its history. Mattel shares this morning up 11%. The toy maker reporting sales and profit that blew past forecasts. Mattel's outlook also came in above predictions. And shares of Twilio soaring up 17% of the pre-market. The infrastructure software company's fourth quarter results and first quarter forecast beat expectations. 
Of the 326 companies in the S&P 500 that reported earnings so far, 77% have had positive earnings surprises. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, John, thank you. And the earnings continue to roll in today with 30 companies reporting. Twitter is one of the biggest names on the today's list. Let's get a preview from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. The microblogging site reports fourth quarter earnings later this morning. The first earnings report under new CEO Parag Agrawal, who took over for founder Jack Dorsey in late November. Twitter makes most of its revenue from advertising, so key for investors is how the company will navigate those new privacy changes from Apple, which require explicit permission from users to target ads on its devices. Bloomberg forecasting revenue of $1.58 billion and adjusted earnings of $0.32 a share. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Tom, thank you. Well, overseas this morning, shares of Credit Suisse are down more than 3%. The Swiss bank posted its biggest quarterly loss in about four years, and CEO Thomas Godstein is warning that higher costs for pay and its restructuring will weigh on results all year. We also um, included a new form of uh, compensation in terms of our SDP, strategic delivery plan, and this was uh, very well received by by, uh, our employees. And Credit Suisse is very committed to play mark, uh, to, to pay market uh, rates in terms of compensation. Credit Suisse CEO Thomas Godstein says the company is focused on implementing a new strategy after scandals involving Archigos Capital Management and Greensill Capital. Now, shares of Unilever are also in focus this morning, Karen. They're down more than 3% in London. The company warns that inflation will dent profitability for two years. Unilever says commodity costs are rising by more than 20% across the consumer goods industry. Well, speaking of prices, Nathan, we're set for the next reading on inflation here in the U.S. The government releases the Consumer Price Index for January at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. Economists forecast a reading of 7.2 percent year over year. We get more from Bloomberg Economics correspondent Michael McKee. January's Consumer Price Index won't lead the Fed to any kind of decision, but it will offer guidance about what they'll need to do down the road. Much of the jump in inflation has come from goods rather than services, as Americans flush with stimulus cash, stayed home and bought things instead of experiences. The Omicron outbreak last month probably kept that trend in place, but we did see inventories rising at the end of last year, which could mean some easing in transportation and bottleneck costs. Economists will also check the reopening trade, cars, insurance, lodging, airfares and food, to see if prices are still rising. And finally, housing. Home prices up 17.5% through November 2021 will be feeding into the CPI for some time, even if higher interest rates start to slow home sales. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Mike, thanks. We're also watching the Fed for another reason this morning. History is being made at the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston. More on that live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. The Boston Fed has named University of Michigan economist Susan Collins as its next president. She becomes the first black woman to lead one of the central bank's 12 districts and will replace Eric Rosengren, who stepped down last year. Collins, who earned a doctorate in economics at MIT, drew support from many, including four former vice chair Alan Blinder. I certainly think she's in the mainstream among economists, among liberal, left left of center economists, but certainly not far left. I mean, she's really in the mainstream. And I think that's basically where the Federal Reserve is these days. 
Former Fed vice chair and current Princeton University professor Alan Blinder says Collins has every asset for the job and no liabilities. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Renita, thank you. S&P futures now down 12 points, Dow futures down 9, NASDAQ futures lower by 60 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 40 degrees in Central Park. We have an cra- earlier tractor-trailer fire that's got the uh, southbound eastern spur of the New Jersey Turnpike closed. Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The National Archives is asking the Justice Department to investigate whether former President Donald Trump violated federal law in the handling of documents. Then President Trump tore up some of them. The archives also transported 15 boxes of documents from Mar-a-Lago after Trump representatives located them and notified the archives. Former federal prosecutor Lori Levinson. The referral by the National Archive does not mean that there's necessarily going to be a criminal investigation of Trump or his advisors. It's simply a suggestion that someone needs to look into what happened here. Loyola Law Professor Lori Levinson. The New York Times reports the Inspector General reached out to the Justice Department after they discovered what's believed to be classified documents that Trump took from the White House. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says the state will end a COVID-19 mask mandate requiring face coverings in most indoor public settings, but will keep masking rules in place for schools for now. The state will drop its mask mandate for most businesses. Hochul says the numbers support leaving the question of masks to individual locales. We saw those numbers literally off the charts, and now those numbers are coming down, and it is time to adapt. Hochul has been saying she wants to see vaccination rates for children increase before she gets rid of a state requirement for the masks in schools. Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont proposed a $24.2 billion budget for the fiscal year starting July 1st. It boosts spending for state colleges and universities whose enrollment has dropped during the pandemic. Lamont, in his State of the State address, also announced tax cuts on automobiles. Three years ago, we were standing at the edge of a fiscal cliff, facing a $3.7 billion budget deficit, and today we're deciding what taxes to cut and what school programs to grow, thanks to our third consecutive budget year of budget surpluses. Governor Lamont also says the state has earned the right to no longer have a statewide mask mandate in schools. It's good news for the New York City subway system that carried more than 3 million customers on Tuesday, the busiest since the Omicron variant hit the city. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stanshaw. Right, good morning, Nathan. The U.S. finally winning some hardware at the Olympics. It took five days before their first gold medal, but now two more, including a second in women's snowboarding. Chloe Kim became a breakout star when she won the half-pipe four years ago. She has admitted to suffering from some depression as she dealt with the newfound fame. In fact, Kim said at one point she threw her gold medal in the trash before then Retrieving it. She was all smiles in Beijing as she cruised to victory, just as Nathan Chen did in men's figure skating. The Super Bowl in L.A., Commissioner Roger Goodell with his annual State of the Game press conference. He promised the league would do better in minority hiring. He was asked what that would entail. Everything from looking at the Rooney Rule and seeing what changes should be made to that, if any changes, or should it be removed, which some people have suggested. 
All of those things are part of that. We're going to talk to other people, have independent people come in and look and help us evaluate it because it's sometimes hard to evaluate your own policies and procedures. Goodell admitted that one time stand up comic Byron Allen, now a media mogul, is in talks to buy the Denver Broncos, become the NFL's first African American owner. NBA trade deadline, 3 o'clock today. Still a lot of James Harden for Ben Simmons rumors. That would be a blockbuster if the Nets and Sixers pulled the trigger. Nets have lost their last nine. They visit Washington tonight. Struggling Knicks at Golden State Warriors lost last night at Utah by 26. Islanders a five-goal first period, a 6-3 win at Vancouver. Two top 25 teams lost in New Jersey. Rutgers knocked off Ohio State by two. Just as Seton Hall beat Xavier by two. The Scarlet Knights and the Pirates helped their case to make next month's NCAA tournament. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John, thanks. S&P futures down 10 points. Dow futures are moving a touch higher now. They're up five points. NASDAQ futures still lower, down 53. Disney shares up nearly 8% in the pre-market after earnings. We'll hear from CEO Bob Chapek just ahead. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, partly mostly sunny upper 40s today. We'll be in the upper 40s tomorrow, low 50s by Saturday. Super Bowl Sunday, the possibility of light snow. Right now, 40 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And S&P futures are lower ahead of key U.S. inflation data. S&P futures down eight points. Dow futures are little change to higher, up 19. And the Nasdaq futures are down 44. The 10-year Treasury, little change. Yield 1.93%. Yield on the two-year, 1.35%. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. Russia and Belarus began their largest joint military drills in years today. Russia has repeatedly denied it plans to invade Ukraine after the U.S. and its NATO allies warned of a buildup of about 130,000 Russian troops near the border. Figure skater Nathan Chen of the U.S. won the gold in the men's individual event. In the NHL, the Islanders won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Michael, thanks. It's 518 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Nathan Hager. Let's talk Disney. The world's largest entertainment company is reporting first quarter sales, earnings, and streaming subscriber growth that all beat estimates. After announcing the results, Disney CEO Bob Chapek sat down for an interview with Bloomberg's Emily Chang to discuss the results and the path ahead. Let's listen into that conversation now. I want to start with this month marking two years with you as CEO. Bob Iger has officially ridden away from the happiest place on earth, and I want to know how you're feeling. Do you feel like your strategy is clicking and that things are working? Well, I think as evidenced by our most recent quarter, everything's falling into place. You know, we're filled with optimism here at Disney. We're at the point where we're just at the start of the last year of our first 100 and the inflection point for the start of the next 100. And I think if you look at our parks business, you look at our uh, media business, all fueled by the great content that our internal storytellers get to tell, uh, we're full of optimism. We think that we've got a lot of energy and momentum. We've got a vision for the future. 
a vision where we're going to appeal directly to our audience uh, using technology and great storytelling. And uh, we really think that it's going to be a more exciting next 100 years than even our stellar first 100 years. Give us some color on what's driving the burst in subscriber growth at Disney Plus compared to the slowdown last quarter. You know, we had said for a long time that it's not going to be a linear growth quarter to quarter on Disney Plus, that there were going to be some quarters a little higher, some quarters a little lower. And it's really almost directly a function of what the new content is that's flowing into the service. And obviously that content was impeded uh, and made a little choppy uh, even more by the fact that, you know, we had COVID and it interrupted our production cycles. But as uh, we stated last earnings and this earnings as well, is that that flow becomes a little more steady, a little bit more predictable, a little bit more optimal during the second half of uh, this year. And we expect that uh, um, we're going to actually add more subs in the second half of the year than the first half of the year. So we're very encouraged by that. Uh, again, it'll still be choppier than a, a perfect linear line. But, uh, you know, uh, when you have great storytelling and uh, great brands like we do, uh, it's, it's going to draw a lot of people across the globe. So we're excited about that. Now, you said it was hard to get people to the theater for family movies, and I wonder when you see that changing and what that means for the next few family titles. Well, we're very carefully watching the return to theaters. And obviously, when you have something like Spider-Man that comes out into the marketplace and it does, you know, gangbusters numbers, we're very encouraged about that. You know, so let's call it the 18 to 34 uh, target uh, uh, demo. That seems to, if you've got the right movie, big blockbuster, great film, uh, based on a franchise, that's back. Uh, we are a little more concerned, though, about the family films and some of the films that appeal to the over 35 audience. Uh, but we're very, very lucky in that um, uh, we have the ability to take our films to all the audiences on Disney+. Plus. And uh, we're encouraged. We hope that the family audience comes back to theaters. Uh, but we believe that even with a title like Encanto, which, as you know, has proved to the world that we can build a Disney franchise uh, uh, on, on, on the back of Disney+, Plus, uh, because our merchandise, licensed merchandise spiked as soon as it came out on Disney+. Plus. The music went from, I think it was 197 on the top 200 in Billboard to number one for multiple weeks in a row. We can build a franchise on Disney+, Plus, so we'd love for Theatrical to come back for family movies. Uh, we hope it does, but uh, if it doesn't, we, we know that we're very secure in being able to use our own platform, Disney+, Plus, to help do that. I want to talk about parks in more detail. You hit some all-time records with revenue there, but attendance is still, you know, lower or in line, depending on the park that you're talking about. What's the outlook ahead as Omicron wings? Are you preparing for new variants? Do you see hitting new records in attendance, or is it all about revenue? We're, we're preparing for anything. I think if the last two, two years have taught us anything, it's to remain flexible. But uh, if we have a focus on our guest, we believe that it's going to uh, turn out just, just fine. I think one of the reasons why we've had such a recovery in demand and attendance at our parks is a function of the fact that consumers, our guests, our fans trust us. Not only do, do we deliver great experiences and tell great stories, but they trust us. And we're going to move very slowly when it comes to attendance uh, increases because we feel that we want to be very, very responsible. And some of the reasons why we don't have max capacity right now is that we still 
still haven't turned on all of the live entertainment that uh, we've got at the parks, which, as, as you know, is a really big component of a great Disney experience. But we're moving slow on that because we want to make sure that as you densify people, that our guests feel very comfortable. And we do surveys all the time in terms of what our guests feel is the appropriate density. And so we're metering that. But I must say that the operating performance of parks uh, using that approach has been extraordinary, extraordinarily great. And that was Disney CEO Bob Chapek speaking with Bloomberg's Emily Chang on the heels of first quarter earnings that beat estimates on nearly every metric. Tough to avoid the happiest place on earth metaphors for investors this morning. The shares of Disney in the pre-market right now up more than 7.5%. As for the broader market, uh, futures are mixed ahead of the uh, January CPI print. S&P futures are down 10 points. Dow futures up 5 points. NASDAQ futures are lower by 48 points. Not a lot of movement in the bond space right now. The 10-year is little changed with the yield 1.93%. The yield on the two-year, 1.35%. Up next, we'll have more on the earnings shaping markets this morning, including Credit Suisse, Mattel, and Uber, plus a historic new regional Fed president. That's straight ahead as Bloomberg Daybreak continues. Bloomberg 1130 weather, partly to mostly sunny upper 40s today and tomorrow. We'll be in the low 50s by Saturday. Light snow possible Super Bowl Sunday. That'll be a change right now. 40 degrees in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Earnings and inflation are front and center. And we begin with earnings. Shares of Disney are higher, up almost 8% in early trading after first quarter sales profit and streaming subscriber growth all beat analysts' estimates. CEO Bob Chapek is optimistic, especially about Disney+. Plus. We're going to actually add more subs in the second half of the year than the first half of the year. So we're very encouraged by that. Uh, again, it'll still be choppier than a, a perfect linear line. But, uh, you know, uh, when you have great storytelling and uh, great brands like we do, uh, it's, it's going to draw a lot of people across the globe. So we're excited about that. Disney CEO Bob Chapek says uh, subscriptions for Disney Plus are now approaching 130 million. Well, we do have some other stocks on the move this morning, Karen, following after the bell earnings. Let's get the latest on those live from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. Nathan, Uber shares up 6% in pre-market trading. Fourth quarter revenue topped estimates. The ride-hailing giant reported the most active users in its history. Mattel shares up almost 11%. Revenue and earnings at the toy maker also beat estimates, as so did the company. Company's forecast and Twilio shares jumping 17% in pre-market trading. The infrastructure software company reported fourth quarter results that beat expectations and forecast revenue ahead of the consensus. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. John, thank you. In Europe this morning, shares of Credit Suisse are down more than 4.5%. The bank posted its biggest quarterly loss in about four years after a large restructuring and litigation charges. Well, back here in the U.S., Karen, the focus this morning will be on inflation. Economists predict a CPI reading for January of 7.2% year over year. 
And it's a historic day at the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston, Nathan. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. The Boston Fed has named University of Michigan economist Susan Collins as its next president. She becomes the first black woman to lead one of the central bank's 12 districts. She'll replace Eric Rosengren, who stepped down last year. Collins, who earned a doctorate in economics at MIT, drew support from many, including former Fed vice chair and current Princeton University professor, Alan Blinder. He says Collins has every asset for the job and no liabilities. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. S&P futures lower, down nine points. Dow futures that'll change. NASDAQ futures down 44. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thank you. It's 533 on Wall Street, 40 degrees in Central Park. An accident cleanup has the southbound New Jersey Turnpike Eastern Spur closed. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York Governor Kathy Hochul lifted the statewide requirement to wear a mask indoors or show businesses proof of vaccination. However, Governor Hochul will wait on mask requirements for schools until after kids return from February break. We are going to make an assessment that first week in March, based on all the metrics. Governor Hochul says the positivity rate is down and hospitalizations are down as well. President Joe Biden has met with the heads of the nation's largest power companies with an eye toward climate change. Bloomberg's the president says reports. these companies have to be at the forefront of the U.S. effort to cut emissions. CEOs know exactly why clean energy future matters. It's an incredible opportunity for our country. And, uh, and they know how urgent it is to get this done. And they've been, uh, you know, they've been key partners throughout this entire process. Biden telling the companies their role will be crucial for the future of the country and the globe. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. The National Archives is asking the Justice Department to investigate whether former President Donald Trump violated federal law in the handling of documents. The referral was made by how then-President Trump dealt with the documents. Former federal prosecutor Lori Levinson says the probe is not a surprise. He took 15 boxes to his private residence at Mar-a-Lago. Some of those had documents that definitely should have gone to the National Archives. And then he had the habit of ripping up documents. Loyola Law Professor Lori Levinson. One month after actor and comedian Bob Saget was found dead in an Orlando hotel room, his grieving family announced that he died from head trauma. Saget's family said authorities determined that he accidentally hit the back of his head on something, thought nothing of it, and went to sleep. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. Thanks, Nathan. At the Olympics, two U.S. gold medals, both won by heavily favored Americans, both with Asian heritage, both attend Ivy League schools. Nathan Chen, since finishing a disappointing fifth four years ago, has nearly completed his degree at Yale, and he's won almost every competition. He won the men's figure skating easily, just as Chloe Kim, who goes to Princeton, became the first female to win back-to-back snowboarding gold. Roger Goodell met the Super Bowl media, his first public comment since the Brian Flores lawsuit that alleged that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross offered Flores bonus money for each game Miami lost. I found um, all of the allegations, whether they were uh, based on racism or discrimination, 
uh, or the integrity of our game, all of those, um, to me, were very disturbing. Um, they are uh, very serious matters to us on all levels. And we need to make sure we get to the bottom of all of them. Goodell announced the NFL will play a game next year in Munich. After the Super Bowl and the Olympics, the next big event, NCAA tournament, Seton Hall and Rutgers. Both hoping to get invited. Both helped their case with two-point victories at home against top 25 teams. The Pirates top Xavier. The Scarlet Knights, who had that earlier big upset of Purdue when they ranked number one, able to get by Ohio State. NBA Lakers lost in Portland. The Lakers are four games under 500. LeBron James says they are playing in a fog. It'll be interesting to see if they make a trade before today's 3 o'clock deadline. Knicks and Nets both said to be involved in trade talks. Knicks tonight at Golden State. Nets visit Washington. Big first period for the Islanders. They scored five times. They won 6-3 at Vancouver. John Stash Network, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thank you, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Manhattan apartment rents were close to a record high in January. Median rent jumped 23% from a year earlier to $3,467, according to appraiser Miller Samuel in Brokerage Douglas Element Real Estate. That's just shy of the record for January, reached in 2020 before the pandemic. New York's state pension fund will divest more than $238 million in shares and bonds of oil and gas companies, including Pioneer Natural Resources, Hess, and Diamondback Energy. The move follows a review that found the companies failed to demonstrate viable net-zero transition plans. New Jersey Transit has approved a $2.6 billion operating budget. The spending plan was delayed because of a disagreement over pandemic stimulus funds in the American Rescue Plan. At a board meeting Wednesday, CEO Kevin Corbett said ridership is bouncing back. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Okay, Ed, thank you. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Poteskin on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about Disney being the happiest place on earth after sales, earnings, and streaming subscriber growth all easily be forecast. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. A quarter of American firms raise wages in COVID. I'm Caroline Hepke on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on starting salaries in the UK rising at a rapid pace according to the Recruitment and Employment Confederation because of inflation fears and a shortage of workers. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting General Motors and Ford say they haven't experienced disruptions to parts deliveries because of border protests over vaccine mandates in Canada. Those are some of the stories our 2700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. The Republican National Committee recently characterized the January 6th attack on the Capitol as an instance of legitimate political discourse. When asked for his opinion, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell didn't mince words. He called January 6th a violent insurrection for the purpose of trying to prevent the peaceful transfer of power. By uttering that simple truth, McConnell performed an essential service to his party and the country. He seems to recognize the obvious that attempting to rebrand a violent attack as legitimate discourse isn't a winning campaign strategy in 2022 and beyond. Republicans have hardly been profiles in courage when it comes to standing up to former President Donald Trump, but McConnell has consistently spoken out at key moments to protect the integrity of the democratic process. For that, he deserves the support of Republicans 
and the respect of Democrats. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. You can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures now down 7 points, Dow futures up 23, NASDAQ futures lower by 39 points in the 10-year, down 132nd, yield 1.93% ahead of inflation data. We'll talk next with Wells Fargo Senior Economist Sarah House. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine, upper 40s today, a mix of sun and clouds tomorrow, upper 40s, low 50s under a mix of sun and clouds Saturday, and light snow possible Super Bowl Sunday. Right now, 40 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and S&P futures are slipping this morning. European stocks are little changed. Traders are shifting into defensive mode ahead of some key U.S. inflation data that may shape views on how aggressively the Fed will tighten monetary policy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down about 7 points. Dow futures up 35. NASDAQ futures down 42. The DAX in Germany is up two tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury little change at 1.93%. The yield on the two-year, 1.34%. NYMEX crude oil is up four tenths percent or 36 cents at $90.02 a barrel. COMEX gold down two tenths percent or $2.90 at 18.33.60 an ounce. The euro 1.1442 against the dollar. British pound 1.3567 and the yen's at 115.83. Bitcoin this morning at $44,630. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. The protest over COVID restrictions blocking freight traffic from Detroit into Canada is starting to hit crucial supply chains. Ford was forced to idle a Canadian engine factory and operate an assembly plant at reduced capacity. Bob Saget died of head trauma. That's according to a statement from his family who say apparently Saget accidentally hit the back of his head on something, thought nothing of it, and went to sleep. The U.S. has won three gold medals at the Beijing Olympics so far, including by figure skater Nathan Chen in the men's individual event. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell says the league will deal with discrimination in a serious way if he finds team violations. In the NHL, the Islanders won NBA action. The Warriors lost. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thanks. It's 549 on Wall Street. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Sarah House is with us now, Senior Economist at Wells Fargo, as we await what could be another historically high reading on consumer prices for the month of January. Sarah, good morning. We're already near a 40-year high on inflation. Is there any reason to think that today's number will be any different? Well, I think we're going to see another big gain in terms of the monthly reading. So we're looking for a 0.4% increase, which would push the year-over-year up to 7.2%, so even higher than, than where we're sitting right now. 
And when I think when you step back and you look at the trend, at least over the past couple of months, we are seeing some signs of moderating. But even then, we're seeing inflation continuing to run at, at a pretty high rate. So just because things are looking a little bit better doesn't mean they're nowhere near good enough for, I think, what the, the Fed is looking for and, of course, what's going to be more friendly to consumers. Where are you seeing those signs of moderation? And do you think we're close to peak inflation? Well, this month, at least, I think we'll see some softness in energy, and in part just due to the seasonals. I think some of the softness will also be driven by travel services, as Omicron did weigh on demand in in that area. But I think when you look ahead, um, we'll probably see monthly gains somewhere around 0.3 to 0.4%. That's about 5% annualized. Now, of course, that's a step down from where we are, and we think some of that's going to come from goods inflation not rising nearly as steep as what we saw over over last year. But that doesn't mean that this is a, a benign environment by any means. We should still see goods, in, goods inflation, um, or at least goods prices, continue to rise. So you think some of this is still driven by supply chain issues? I wonder whether we could start to see any effect from this uh, this trucker protest. I wonder if it's too soon to factor that in. But is there still some of that uh, uh, in play here? I think it's probably a little bit soon for, for the trucker protest, but it's a good reminder that we're still running on very thin inventories. Now, the inventory picture has stabilized a little bit here recently. If you're looking at the retail inventory to sales ratio or just the fact that we were able to actually increase inventories for the first time all year in, in the fourth quarter. But there's not a lot of room for error or further disruptions before you start to see those effects begin to hit prices again. So while we're looking for a moderating rate of of goods inflation is still likely to be strong, and there's all sorts of risks that that could change that that view. And of course, there's still this debate going on about whether uh, fiscal policy, monetary policy, is feeding into the price pressures we're seeing as well. Where do you stand on that, and what effect, if any, could a more hawkish Fed play on these uh, historic pressures that we're seeing? Well, I still think that a lot of the inflation that we're seeing is still rooted in the pandemic. So the the change in the pattern of spending that we saw along with the tremendous policy support both on the fiscal and, and monetary policy side. And that, of course, is is fading. So fiscal support with the end of the child tax credit at the end of last year, you know, we really don't have much at all coming through the pike on that front. And that's going to leave real disposable income to basically tread water um, essentially until about June. So that, that factor is fading. And then, of course, you have the, the tighter monetary policy, which uh, is likely to to affect things like mortgage rates and therefore home prices. That's going to take a little bit to feed through. But these are factors that are leading to this overall slowdown that we're looking for in inflation here in 2022. So in our last 30 seconds here, how much do you expect the CPI print to factor into what the Fed decides next month? Are you thinking that we could see a half percentage point rate hike next month? Well, this will be a key data point. Now, we do get one more CPI print before the March meeting, so this isn't the end-all, be-all, but I think this inflation print, the next one, and the next jobs reading and and what we see there in average hourly earnings are going to be the the primary determinants of of what the Fed's thinking heading into that next meeting and and whether 50 basis points could actually be on the table. More data dependence to come. Thanks for this, Sarah. Good having you on. Sarah House, Senior Economist at Wells Fargo with us this morning. Karen. Nathan, it is 553 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report. We get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. 
federal appeals court refused to lift an injunction that blocks enforcement of the Biden administration's vaccination requirement for federal workers. Medicare's CareCompare website will include information on the COVID vaccine booster rates among residents and staff at individual nursing homes. Automated collection and unfiled tax return notices are being put on hold by the Internal Revenue Service. It's an acknowledgement that the agency needs to work through a backlog of unprocessed returns. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching brings us to the election law. A divided Supreme Court dealt a blow to minority voting rights by reinstating an Alabama congressional map that creates only one district likely to elect a black representative. A lower court had ruled that federal law required a second district because 27 percent of the state's population is black. It's the first Supreme Court test for new districts being drawn around the country. For more on the decision, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to elections law expert Rebecca Green, a professor at William & Mary Law School. I've seen a lot of headlines that say in one form or another that this is a blow to minority voting rights. Do you agree? And if so, how much of a blow? Well, if you believe in the protections the Voting Rights Act is supposed to afford minority voters in redistricting cases, then this is certainly a blow because the the map that the state of Alabama drew is sort of textbook vote dilution. In other words, it packs minority voters in one district and it cracks a group of minority voters in half to dilute their strength. So it's it's sort of textbook packing and cracking. Um, and to the extent that the court's order means that the, the maps will go forward with those diluted districts, then, you know, that certainly will be harmful irreparably to minority voters in Alabama. Um, like I said, this is sort of a textbook violation of Section 2, at least as far as the court has been concerned up until now. There's no opinion for the majority, but in a concurring opinion, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, joined by Justice Samuel Alito, said that this decision was necessary because the lower court had acted too soon before a coming election. Do you buy that reasoning? Well, it's certainly a novel claim. I mean, the the Purcell principle, as it's known, is just sort of this idea that you shouldn't make changes. Federal courts shouldn't make changes. Um, right before an election, because it would confuse voters and it would make it difficult for the election officials to administer the election. But neither of those issues are present here, where we're months and months away from an election and where remedial maps could be drawn, you know, basically with the snap of a finger. So it's hard to square that argument. And it's certainly a very sort of big extension of the principle um, to say, you know, months out, a federal court can't mess with the state's plan. And I think what's especially worrisome about it is maybe it's going to mean that, you know, line drawers drag their feet to pass maps because if they can get it within, you know, many months out from a primary election, then maybe they can win on the Purcell principle, which just is a very bad set of incentives to, to set up. And that's Rebecca Green, a professor at William and Mary Law School, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. S&P futures are down about six points this morning. Dow futures higher of 50. 
NASDAQ futures down 42, and the 10-year Treasury little change yield 1.93%, and a yield on the two-year 1.34%. NYMEX crude oil is up 7 tenths percent, or 64 cents, at $90.30 a barrel. And straight ahead, we have our top stories as Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.